This episode of The Amazing Nerd Show is sponsored by Podcorn. Christian, we know life as a podcaster isn't easy. Monetizing your small independent podcast can lead to nothing but heartbreak and frustration. We didn't even know the first place to start and how to approach these companies. But then we found Podcorn, a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities such as host-read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. Damn it, with Podcorn, there is no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform, set their own rates, and collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. You never give up any rights to your podcast, and Podcorn is here to support you at every step and ensure you're protected and compensated for the work that you do. And Christian, I love their mission statement. To give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when they monetize. Click the link in our show notes to sign up for Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities today. Podcorn, connecting unique voices to unique brands. Nerds, it's time to suit up and nerd up. Launching badass rockabilly track. Now running statistics on Saw Trap survival. Survival chances low. Time to save the world with some wrestling video games, movies, horror, and more. Launching ANS in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, on this week's episode, we're going to be reviewing Spiral from the Book of Saw, and also the second season of Netflix's Love, Death, and Robots. That's right, we'll also be recapping The Bad Batch and talking some WrestleMania backlash. But before we move on, quickly, once again, a reminder, show note, we are currently podcasting through Zoom. So if you hear us repeating lines here and there, that's probably due to dropage happening. Uh, so we apologize. We're trying to clean that shit up. But, you know, once in a while, a few things leak through. All right. But before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five-star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some amazing Nerd Show swag. Let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters. We're mere podcasters with opinions. First up, AT&T's Warner Media merging with Discovery in Blockbuster Deal. AT&T's Warner Media and Discovery unveiled their Blockbuster $43 billion union on Monday, a combination that would bring some of the biggest names in television, HBO, CNN, HDTV, Animal Planet, and the Food Network, and Warner Brothers Movie Studio under one roof. AT&T said it would exit the entertainment business by spinning off Warner Brothers and the TV channels that it acquired just three years ago. Those Warner Media assets uh, will be combined with the Discovery Channels, creating a new publicly traded company. AT&T signaled its desire to make a clean break following a disastrous foray into entertainment. This, of course, is after acquiring Time Warner and DirecTV and also adding $150 billion in debt onto their balance sheets. 
This deal is expected to close sometime in 2022. Yeah, I think I mentioned it on the show last week that, you know, AT&T was planning on selling a bunch of stuff. I guess this is what their actual plan all along was to, you know, just offload everything. Because, yeah, everything under underneath AT&T these last few, like, what, I don't know how long they've been the actual owner. Not too long, but it hasn't no. been that great. <laughs> no, shit went south fast. Yes. <laughs> So hopefully the people at like Discovery are big comic book fans. <laughs> so DC and everything are safe. Yes, like actually has a grasp on what they want to do with DC. Well, because you remember a while back there were rumors that, you know, AT&T were looking to like, I don't know, not like sell DC comics, but to like lease out the rights. Uh-huh. So n- not just to the comics, but to like the films and stuff. So there, there are all these weird rumors floating around. So, I mean, hopefully there are more on solid ground now, but I guess only time will tell. It's the new world we live in with all these fucking mergers. It's the future. (laughs) All right. Up next, we have a new Batman animated series in the works coming to HBO Max. So we've learned this morning that Matt Reeves is working with J.J. Abrams and Bruce Timm on a new animated series centered around the Dark Knight. It's titled Batman Cape Crusader. The Hollywood Reporter um, has found out that the project from HBO Max and Cartoon Network has been given the straight to series order and will be a reimagining of Batman's mythology. In a joint statement from Reeves and Abrams, uh, they are quoted as saying, We are beyond excited to be working together to bring this character back to tell engrossing new stories in Gotham City. The series will be thrilling, cinematic, and evocative of Batman's noir roots. While diving deeper into the psychology of these iconic characters, we cannot wait to share this new world. The press release went on to say, Utilizing state-of-the-art animation techniques and technologies available, this power creative partnership will once again reinvent Batman in his iconic rogues gallery with sophisticated storytelling, nuanced characters, and intense action sequences, all set in a visually striking world. Uh, At the same time, they also announced a new animated series called My Adventures with Superman, uh, and it will be headed to HBO Max and the Cartoon Network. The series will follow Clark Kent and Lois Lane as 20-somethings along with their best friend Jimmy Olsen as they begin to discover who they are as well as what they can accomplish working together as an investigative reporting team at the Daily Planet. The show will feature boy star Jack Quaid as the voice of Clark Kent slash Superman and Zoe's extraordinary playlist Alice Lee as Lois Lane. You know, I am excited to see that they are interested in doing more animated series. I think it's been a while since I've actually watched anything that's just a straight up Batman animated series. You know, we, you know we've got Teen Titans and stuff like that out and stuff like that right now. But I think it's time. You know, I think it's perfect time to have the Dark Crusader get back into it. I'm not interested in the superman story too much but you know me neither uh, i'll check it out (laughs) really this headline for me should have just read like you know bruce tim you know doing another batman animated series because that's all that mattered to me like no offense to jj abrams and matt reeves Uh but (laughs) i feel like you know bruce tim is like gracing them with his presence and allowing them to work you know on you know a show with him (laughs) now i'm wondering if this is going to be in line with like you know what matt reeves does in his film like is this going to continue like his batman's you know universe's story 
Like currently, I don't feel like they would do that right off the bat. Like, because uh, I feel like they just want to continue films if they wanted to, you know, continue his story. But I mean, I have I have no problem with seeing that type of like continuation because animation you can do so much more you know you're not as limited at to like a schedule with a uh, uh, live action well remember they're doing a gcpd um series too yeah. a television mm-hmm. series and that's supposed to be like rooted in you know matt reeves you know the batman's universe to me it feels like kind of like counting your chickens before they hatch you know like uh-huh. planning <laughs> all these series based on you know a movie that hasn't even come out yet but, I mean, we'll see. Well, speaking of Batman, the upcoming Batgirl film gets its directors. So, the film is going to be helmed by Bad Boys for Life and Miss Marvel directors. And I'm going to apologize right now for destroying these names. Adil El Arbi and Bella Fala. Uh, this was confirmed by The Hollywood Reporter uh, this week. And the project is reportedly being planned to be released on HBO Max. Um, and it's going to be written by Birds of Prey and Flash alum Christina Hudson. As of yet, no lead has been cast. About the project, Kirsten Burr, the producer, was quoted as saying, With Batgirl, we hope to take the audience on a fun ride and see a different side of Gotham. Christina's script is crackling with spirit, and Adil and Bala have an excited, joyous energy which is infectious, making them the perfect filmmakers for this Bat project. Christian, this fucking Bad Boys for Life film must have been like the best movie ever. Like, these guys are getting all the work in Hollywood right now. Yeah, I mean, that would put them on both sides of nerdum right now, DC and Marvel. It's weird, right? Like, did it do, like, extremely well in the box office? I don't recall, but, I mean, I'm not a big Bad Boys fan, so I definitely didn't watch it. No, me neither. (laughs) Well, I hope they're good at their jobs because they are getting, like, entrusted with, like, two, like, awesome characters. So Exactly. I hope they don't suck. All right, up next, we have some casting news for Netflix's upcoming Adam's Family spinoff series. Yes, Netflix announced this week that Jenna Ortega will be taking on the beloved role of Wednesday Adams in the Adams Family spinoff series Wednesday. Ortega in the past has starred in tons of different Disney shows. Uh, she's also been in the babysitter Killer Queen, and she will be starring in the upcoming Scream 5 film coming out next year. We also know that the eight episode season of Wednesday will be directed by Tim Burton, which just seems perfect. Well, all right, Damien, you got some quick notes for us as well? Yes. Uh, Robert Ager, who directed The Witch and The Lighthouse, uh, his newest film, The Northman, which is supposed to be a Viking revenge piece starring Anna Taylor-Joy, it will now hit theaters April 8th, 2022. Also, Dune will no longer be debuting on HBO Max. Uh, The film instead will be exclusively hitting theaters October 1st. I'm not really surprised by this since theaters are starting to open up again. Uh, We'll see if other Warner Brothers films will be doing the same and reversing course and heading straight to theaters instead of HBO Max. Because, hey, big surprise, studios like money. All right, well, that does it for news. Moving on next, well... I guess moving on to Damon opening up a cold tall boy here. I've, I've driven him to drink, it seems. Not yet, my friend. 
<laughs> We're getting there, though, Christian. You keep it up. Uh, no, man, this is an ice-cold can of Liquid Death, my friend. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. And actually, Liquid Death is a sponsor on this episode of The Amazing Nerd Show. But yeah, at first glance, that looks straight up like a beer. So I think I mentioned this before on the show, but my daughter's trying to get me to kick the habit of drinking so much, like, Diet Pop all the time. My wife mm-hmm. convinced her that I'm, like, killing myself. <laughs> so I'm replacing the Diet Pop with these tall boy cans of wonderful ice cold water. Exactly. There's no better way to kill that addiction than with some liquid That's death. That's right. Kill your thirst, I think they say, right? So, and I mean, look how badass I look with this can, man. I mean, this can's <laughs> artwork looks like it belongs on like some of my favorite metal bands like album covers. Oh, I can see like, that. Like if this was around when I was like 13, I would have been like drinking water like, you know, for the last like 20 some years. And hell, probably been saving more of the environment, too, since it's so much more recyclable than those plastic bottles we've been drinking out of. That's right, because Liquid Death, like whole mission statement is like bringing death to plastic bottles. To plastic. These tall boy aluminum cans are infinitely more recyclable than any plastic bottle. And they actually like donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. And like I said, they look fucking cool, right? Exactly. I mean, I even got my girlfriend into drinking them. She was super skeptical about anything called liquid death. But, you know, uh, it's water in a can and it's super refreshing, as you said. And how cool is it that you can actually, like, crack one of these open, be healthy, but look like a badass while doing it? Exactly. And that's all I care about, Damon being the most badass version of myself as possible. Well, good luck with that, buddy, because it's called Liquid Death, not Liquid Miracle. So, I mean... <laughs> hey, anything that helps, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, listeners, if you're interested in picking up some Liquid Death and giving it a try yourself, it's available at 7-Eleven and Whole Foods nationwide. Or they could even head over to liquiddeath.com. Use our promo code AMAZYNERD when you purchase a 12-pack of these badass tall boys, and you'll get a free koozie two pack which is an eight dollar value that's right use that promo code amazing nerd at checkout at liquiddeath.com that's right nerds murder your thirst and bring death to plastic bottles but anyway we got a trailer this week damon that's right christian we got a trailer for the upcoming gi joe origins film snake eyes every warrior has a beginning i'm on a new level for 600 years our ninja have brought peace to the world. I'm on a new level. I need warriors like you. Join us. What do I have to do? The journey from here is yours to decide. But that is just the beginning. I'm on a new level. All right, so Christian, uh, growing up, I was a pretty big G.I. Joe fan, and I'm not going to lie, I still am. Mm-hmm. Um, I still collect the action figures, new and old. So I was pretty excited when this movie was originally announced, um, even with like the bad taste of like the last two G.I. Joe films in my mouth. Uh, and I got to say, you know, overall, I felt the trailer was kind of underwhelming. I mean, it's really just a teaser. It's about a minute long. It seems to be really like diving into like Snake Eyes's like time with like the Rashikage and like, you know, training with the hard master and everything. And probably, you know, the drama between him and, you know, uh, with Storm Shadow. Um, I don't know. Like, I think the whole premise of the film is kind of flawed. 
what makes Snake Eyes for me special was kind of like the mystery that like revolved around the character early on and then like kind of getting to discover his origin as like time goes by. So I think I'd much rather have had them do like a G.I. Joe film first and then we kind of go back and like, you know, discover who this character is and what he's all about. Um, I, I just feel like they're kind of doing things backwards, if that makes sense. Even though, like, I guess, like, sequence-wise, this is the way the events played out. And I'm wondering if they're going to be doing, you know, more of these, like, G.I. Joe origin stories to, like, build up to, like, you know, the team. If that's the plan. Like, are we going to get, like, a Flint origins film or a, a Lady J origins film before we get, like, a, an actual G.I. Joe film again? They're trying to do the Avengers, you know? Pretty much pretty much and like you know make this a whole big franchise i mean it makes sense but it's just like like as you said i i, I kind of had a feeling you know this seemed more of the same so far but that's just how you know the vibe i've gotten from it so far more of the same of what we got from the last in two the, yeah, films? In the previous uh, two films oh i hope not jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> those were just the drizzling shits christian <laughs> i do not want that um, I, I think continuity-wise, they, they're supposed to be two separate things, though. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I'm fine with them, you know, starting a whole new franchise and redoing it. Those were bad. But at the same time, I just didn't notice anything that was significantly better in action or cinematography-wise that would make me think. Because, I mean, yeah, this was just a minute long. There's only so much they can really, you know, shove into it. But, I mean, this, like... I mean, Mortal Kombat at least tricked me before I went to that movie. So I, this one hasn't done that yet. <laughs> they haven't done a good enough job of tricking you into yes. wanting to see this film. <laughs> That's what we've come to. Yes. Um, no, I agree. Everything we saw in this teaser, like, I don't know, nothing really like stood out to me. So it just kind of felt like just run of the mill, like action movie stuff. I mean, the whole like, you know, sword fighting in the middle of fucking, you know, the expressway. That was pretty cool, but I don't know. I feel like we see that shit all the time. Exactly. For a teaser, <laughs> you know, based on Snake Eyes, I don't know. I, I maybe they they're probably holding off, like showing him in the fucking like suit and everything. Yeah. But that's what people really want to see. If you want to sell people on this fucking movie, you need to at least tease that. You know, we see the mask for a brief second. Yeah. Um, we see Scarlet, <laughs> you know, played by uh, Samara Weaving. Um, I, I don't know for like this was just a montage sequence honestly <laughs> so uh we don't even see storm shadow in his outfit right no costumes just yet yeah <laughs> just some you know i don't know average sword fighting and stuff you gotta earn it david you gotta earn <laughs> no, those costumes no they have to earn me <laughs> wanting to see this film <laughs> I've been burned twice already by them, so <laughs> I don't know. I love G.I. Joe. I grew up on this shit. I love Snake Eyes as a character and Storm Shadow for that matter, their whole origin story. But when you take away that mystery and everything and that mystique of the character, like showing him outside of the costume and everything, it just kind of, I don't know, it, it takes the magic away. And I'm a big fan of the character, mm-hmm. like, you know, Snake Eyes version two, like the vintage figure that that's on my holy grail list of figures to buy. So I haven't like brought myself to that point yet because <laughs> it's like 150 bucks, but I, it's probably going to happen sooner than later. <laughs> so I'm surprised that's not higher at this point, especially with the movie coming. The fi- the action figures, you know, it, mm-hmm. the market isn't always dictated by the films, you know, especially with G.I. Joe's history. 
So uh, right now, those action figures have seen a resurgence. I don't know why we're talking about this, but they, <laughs> the G.I. Joe line itself saw a huge like resurgence of popularity over the last like I want to say five years or so price wise. So like they've all like skyrocketed. Hmm. Um, so I could see that going up. I mean, that's loose. If that was actually carded, forget about it. That's a lot of fucking money. So I'm talking about loose because I'm not I'm not in the market for a carded Snake Eyes version two. <laughs> My wife would fucking kill me. I have no idea what Snake Eyes toy I had, but I had like this big one that was like. Uh, oh, that's much I found later. It at, like a fucking yeah. yeah, much later. I found it at like a garage sale though. <laughs> yeah, that's probably like a twelve inch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those were cool too. I'm not judging. <laughs> <laughs> I was a kid. I didn't know what the fuck I was grabbing. <laughs> you had no choice. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. We're supposed to be talking about movie trailers, not toys. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, this did nothing for me. Hopefully the next trailer they put out really woos me because right now I'm I'm kind of iffy even like seeing this film. Do you think maybe we're just too used to the teaser now being, you know, two minutes of the film? Yeah, but the whole point <laughs> of a teaser is to really like, I don't know, sell you on the film and... This definitely didn't do that. This could have been any run-of-the-mill action film. So, Christian, we both headed back to the theaters, finally, this week. Yes, that's right. We saw the movie Spiral from the Book of Saw. And now, our feature presentation. Jigsaw copycat. This is going to go sideways fast. I'm a mess, man, like a spiral. All available units, officer down. That was just a diversion to get us out of the precinct. I need everyone on this case. He could be anywhere. He could be anyone. We're gonna tear this city apart. I'm a nice man like a spiral. A criminal mastermind unleashes a twisted form of justice in Spiral, the terrifying new chapter from the Book of Saw. This was directed by Darren Lynn Bowsman and written by Josh Stolberg and Pete Goldfinger um, and stars Chris Rock, uh, Sam Jackson and Max Mighella, I think is how you pronounce his last name. All right. So, Christian, we're going to do this a little different since it's a Saw film and there's a little bit of a mystery here. So up front, we're going to go spoiler free. We're going to give our overall thoughts. And then at the end, we'll give a little bit of a warning. And then we're going to go full on spoilers. So, I mean, the time stamps will be there. You can figure out what's what if you don't want to be spoiled, if you plan on seeing this film. So the dark storm clouds, Christian, have finally parted like this past weekend after over a year of being away. I was finally able to return to one of my favorite places in the whole wide world, my local movie theater. And I was feeling unstoppable with my veins filled with two doses, Christian. Two doses of the vaccine protecting me. Uh (laughs) I was greeted by that warm glow of the giant screen and the smell of overpriced popcorn in the air. Christian, I was finally home and it was glorious. The vaccine doesn't protect you from subpar filmmaking. Because after an hour and a half of uneven storytelling, that's pretty much what I was left with. A film that couldn't make up its own mind on what it wanted to be. Like, it seemed to have little interest on being like an actual horror film. 
Instead, we got like this like gory version of like SVU or insert the name of your favorite like procedural cop show. Like a lot of people are comparing this to Seven, but like I feel like that's a stretch at uh. best. <laughs> the story wasn't awful, but it's just not a Saw film. It would have been better served if it didn't have to try to be. In fact, like if I hadn't heard the story of Chris Rock, who's like, I guess a big fan of the franchise, writing the treatment for this film when like it was initially announced, I would like accuse the studio of like taking a script of some like, you know, dark moody crime drama and like trying to morph it into like another Saw sequel. Cause that's what this felt like to me. All the Saw elements just felt like shoehorned in. Yes, we like got some like, you know, now iconic Saw imagery and it's very much that like stylized Saw look. I mean, they even brought back like Darren Lynn Bosman, like, you know, to direct who did like three previous Saw sequels. But like the film just felt like it was going through the motions and like trying to be a horror film. The traps were uninspired and there's really like only a handful and there's not even like a focus on them in the film. Also from like the get go, you know this like copycat killer wasn't really an acolyte of like John Kramer because like it seemed like there was no real escape to any of these traps. Like they were just there to torture people and kill them at the end of the day. Like part of Jigsaw's whole like motive in his own like twisted way was to, like to test people's will to live. And then if they survive the ordeal, like give them a new appreciation for life. That's why in the film, he's like able to like build this like weird cult-like following. This film doesn't do anything to establish any kind of connection between like the copycat killer and Jigsaw besides like, you know, the fact that he's using traps. But like I said, they're merely used for torture and vengeance. So right from the start, the whole premise of the franchise, the whole premise it's kind of built on, like what makes Jigsaw different and interesting is completely like thrown out the window. And they don't like even really do anything to build up that suspense, like, you know, leading to the traps in any way. It's more about like the police working the investigation. The problem is there's no actual investigating. Like they solve jack shit in this whole film. There's no like aha moments here. Like they're just like responding and reacting to murders as they happen. I mean, the film itself is made well. It feels like bigger than like all the other films. And like I said, there there's a germ of a good idea here with like, you know, the police corruption and everything. But instead of like trying to be like The Wire with like, you know, a horror twist to it, they like chose to be the, just another underwhelming Saw film. Like Chris Rock is okay as the lead and he got off to like a good start and we got a couple like classic like Chris Rock monologues. But then like by the second act, it's just people like screaming at each other. <laughs> we don't get to like breathe at all with these characters. The characters also have like some moments that just defy any kind of reasonable logic. Also the reveal of the killer just comes off so flat and it's just incredibly predictable because it breaks the formula established like throughout the franchise that it instantly sends up red flags. We'll talk more about that when we talk spoilers. Christian, what was your thoughts on the film? I mean, like you said, at best, you know, the Saw franchise is kind of like this mysterious, you know, killer with all these traps he's setting you know he's got this vigilante sense of justice in his mind and you know he's just going at it you know at, at the franchise's worst it's just a popcorn flick with a bunch of crazy traps and i feel like this film failed to reach either of those levels and for me it just kind of left me in this state of like eh, 
it, it was okay. You know, I, I never, I never like hated it, but at the same time, um, nothing really got me excited because they took a lot of the enjoyment out of what I get from a normal Saw film, which is, I mean, at the end of the day, these crazy motherfucking traps. This film feels Saw inspired rather than Saw sequel, which it claimed to be. Um, you know, and it's, it's funny that the director is someone who had worked on sequels in the past that already dealt with a very similar storyline where the new killer, the acolyte of John Kramer is already breaking the rules and gets punished for it. And we don't even see that in this, you know, continuity of the story. So it just kind of, eh. It, it just kind of left me in a state of eh, um, nothing really just jumped out. You know, even performance wise, I didn't get anything out of these characters. You know, for me, a lot of it just felt like people reading lines um, rather than actually, you know, really getting into their characters throughout the entire um, film. But um, I mean, that's that's at its basis. There's a lot of things I would love to talk about spoiler wise. So let's move on. <laughs> All right, Christian. So before we move on to spoiler talk, What's your overall grade for the film? I'm going to give Spiral a C. Um, you know, just very uninspired, not too interesting uh, kills. And then we got a very, uh, very meh story, very meh mystery that you could solve pretty much uh, within the first 10 to 15 minutes of the actual movie. Um, and just again, uh, you know, not really exciting performances. And that's just for me. But at least it didn't reach some of the lows that we've seen in previous sequels. No, I agree. It's definitely not the worst film we've seen in like the franchise's history, but it's nowhere near the best film either. Exactly. Um, it, at the end of the day, I think it commits the crime of just being like forgettable. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to give, you know, Spiral, the Book of Saw, a D plus. And I think a big part of it is because it, you know, was having like this identity crisis because it, you know, didn't really want to be a horror film. But at the same time, it did want to like commit to like, you know, this crime drama film that they were like low key making. It just ended up being a bad film overall. Warning spoiler alert. Spoilers for Spiral from the Book of Sore Head. You have been warned. All right, so you've been warned. Spoiler talk ahead. Christian, when did you figure out that, you know, the killers will? You know, I had suspicions like, you know, it's like, oh, it could be the partner. He's the new figure in the in the group and stuff like that. But it was the moment where we actually see you know, oh, you know, the guy's been skinned alive and there was no trap like set up exactly. or anything like that. I mean, like even in previous Saw films, like when it's the person that's like when it's one of the people that are been like put in the traps, they show that person in a trap, uh -huh. getting hurt in some way and then cut away from it. No, this this was just like, oh, yeah, he got hurt. And our proof is that this guy got skinned. It's like, well, but you don't you have no idea. Yeah, like you literally didn't... they get a box of skin and then his tattoo happens to be yeah. on it. And it's like, and that's <laughs> it. There's really nothing but like a couple like close up reaction shots mm -hmm. from like Chris Rock's character. And then they kind of like move on to the next scene. Right away, I was like, that Will's the killer. Like he's not uh -huh. dead. <laughs> <laughs> I think they try to protect themselves with the whole like, oh, we're putting a time crunch on everything. That's why we're moving so fast because they're like, oh, cops are getting killed. So we have to do this as fast as possible. But I'm like, it, I mean, forensics would have figured out that, that wasn't, you know, the body that that was in like a day flat. Yeah, like it wouldn't it wouldn't have taken them that long to figure out that that wasn't uh, Will's character. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And the fact of the matter is this like film had pacing issues. Because I had no concept of, like, how much time was actually passing. Mm -hmm. And that brings up, like, a part of the film that just, like, really stuck in my crawl because it just defied, 
you know, logic, as I like, spoke about before. And that's like Sam Jackson's character, you know, Chris Rock's dad disappearing and Chris Rock not thinking, huh, there's a killer out there going after cops. Maybe I should make a bigger deal or mention to someone that my dad's disappeared and mm. I haven't seen him for over 24 hours. But like for some reason, he sits on it for at least, I believe, a couple of days and doesn't even bother mentioning it. And like, even when he has an opportunity to do like to actually like tell someone um, he covers for it instead, like trying to just be like, oh, maybe my dad's on to something. But it's like, well, I mean, everyone cares about a cop dying. You know, everyone like I think they were assuming that we would see Sam Jackson's character as like a red herring, mm -hmm. but they didn't do anything in the film really to establish him as a red herring. Yes. Or at least not enough. So, uh, it, so it just didn't work and didn't make any sense. And then even when like they start pointing the finger at Sam Jackson's dad because he's able to like someone was able to hack into the computers and like erase, you know, some videotape. Um, Chris Rock is like trying to cover for him right away. So you're like left to believe that like Chris Rock might actually think there's a possibility that his dad's the killer. And I never got that, like, uh -huh. you know, throughout the film. So it kind of came out of left field. And I don't know, like, I mean, this movie was only an hour and a half. So I don't know if something was left on the editing room floor that would have explained that more. But like, it just didn't work whatsoever. Because the entire time when he realizes he goes back to his dad's apartment and like 24 hours have passed and he realizes that his dad hasn't been there because I think the takeout food is still there or something, mm -hmm. right? Like, I'm like, why isn't he freaking out about this? Like, there's a killer on the loose <laughs> who's murdering fucking cops. Uh -huh. <laughs> Just ridiculous. And then that fucking flashback scene that they did with <laughs> with Rock and his dad. I laughed out loud in the theater and I was sitting yes. there by myself. So I look like a psychopath, but I don't care. Like some of the worst, like fake facial <laughs> hair I've ever seen. Apparently they don't have like Marvel's like de-aging technology. So they just threw a fucking mustache, a really bad looking mustache on Sam Jackson and just had Chris Rock grow a goatee. Like that was their way of making it look like, oh, well, this is at a different time. You know, uh, and it, it looked like, well, no, that's just them like, you know, a couple weeks later with facial hair because that's all it looks like. They didn't look any younger. It definitely didn't look like uh, it was like 10 years in the past or something. I mean, you notice that they don't like zoom in on any of their faces throughout any of those like past moments because they're trying to hide that. See, I think we got an up close look at Sam Jackson's like mustache and it looked like it was about to fall off. Like, <laughs> it looked like something that you pick up at the like local uh -huh. magic shop or something like that or like from Walgreens during Halloween like it's just like badly like glued on and shit it didn't even look like it was like straight mm -hmm. oh and, and by the way about the whole computer thing with like them deleting footage the moment they plugged in that flash drive the, they could have hacked into the entire system. I mean, they didn't like really put it in a secure line just because he put it on someone else's computer. Uh, yeah, it doesn't. That's still all one network. You're thinking I, way <laughs> too much, Christian. Well, and like I said in my overall review, like where the film really lost me was like I never felt like any of those traps were like escapable. So it was just there, like those traps were set up just to like torture and you know kill you know the victims. So right away it just becomes less interesting to me. And mm -hmm. we've seen that before in the sequels. So it's like, well, I know that this person isn't really a true follower of like, you know, Jigsaw. 
so they're not going to have an actual like connection you know to the you know past films so it's just going to be some random nobody or someone i just met in this film so i'm just not going to be as invested <laughs> no <laughs> and that ended up being the case mm, you're right and i do think there there were some kills put like on the cutting room floor because like there's a couple characters where you see them throughout like a good half of the film and then the second half they're just kind of gone like we have this one other african-american cop that gets yes. highlighted as you know someone that's you know very much an agitator of his and is like accusing him and he's just gone for like the last third of the film yes he disappears and i felt like okay they're focusing on him you know in a few mm -hmm. different scenes i was like where is this going you know, is he possibly the killer? And maybe that was the point. Maybe it was to make him out to be like the red herring. But like then he just kind of disappears. And then there's that female detective mm -hmm. whose partner ends up getting killed, I think, in the second or third trap. And then she just kind of disappears. So I, I think at one point I was like, well, maybe it's her because we haven't seen her in a little bit. And maybe yeah. like, <laughs> but I think it's just bad editing, honestly. Mm. I mean, at a certain point, do you even think another hour added to this film would have done anything to it, though? Well, I definitely don't want to see another hour of this film, <laughs> but maybe like another half hour. If they could have like ironed out the whole like, you know, backstory of the precinct and everything and then like turn up the horror more. So, yes. like, we're watching these, like, victims get lured into the traps and everything. We're seeing the setup and we're watching them kind of struggle more in these traps where you could really, like, put yourself in their shoes. And, like, because the fun part of Saw's, at least for me, maybe I'm a sicko, but like, it's like, <laughs> what would I do in this trap? Would I, would I be willing to do this, you know, to survive? I, like, I never got that at all, you know, from any of these traps. I will say the finger one. I mean, it was like, you know what? Just bite down the bar, close your eyes, just let it happen. The pain will eventually just numb. Yeah. You know, you'll you'll get through it. <laughs> but like at that but, point, I knew he was going to die anyway. And because of that, I didn't care about anyone's survival because I knew it wasn't going to happen. How'd you feel about his voice? The uh, spiral voice? I thought they changed it for no reason. And I honestly, I think it took away from the film. At least give fans of the franchise like that nostalgic feel like they're actually watching a film that, you know, is part of the franchise instead of this, I don't know, this lazy kind of wannabe adjacent to film. Because, I mean, the voice is manipulated, so it's really kind of like, you know, Ghostface's voice where yeah. it could be, you know, <laughs> someone different, you know, behind the voice every time. And then, I mean, they didn't even bother using Billy. Exactly. I, I I am mad that my prediction didn't come true, where it would at least be like Billy just rolls in at the very end or something. Yes, yes. And like maybe, well, and I think because they left it open-ended at the end, because I was thinking, okay, like the killer dies or something like that. And then like you see the puppet on the tricycle come in and like, well, is there someone behind the scenes, mm -hmm. you know, pulling strings? No pun intended. Well, I mean, if we are to get a sequel, where would you want them to go from here? I don't want a sequel. I want a hard reboot, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over this. I think they shot themselves in the foot in what, part three, when they killed off Jigsaw. Uh -huh. I think they could have gone on and they did, obviously. But, you know, maybe like, you know, do another film or two. But after that, I think they kind of wrote themselves in a corner. I think they should just start fresh reboot the whole franchise because the whole concept's really interesting and i think there's different takes on it that you can go with mm -hmm. um that would be exciting and new but still like pay homage to like the original formula um 
So I would be fine with them just like, you know, starting fresh and giving us like a new take on the Jigsaw Killer. I think the only way they could redeem this story in a sequel would be if Shank were to end up in a trap from a true copycat killer. But even then, it's like, do I want do I want any of this to continue? That's just starting to get very convoluted. How many different copycat killers are Uh we on now? I can't even track (laughs) them all at this point. Right. Because, I mean, you had, what's his name? Wesley from Princess Pride. Uh-huh. You had, like, I think you had John Kramer's wife. You had Shawnee Smith, Amanda. I mean, I'm forgetting someone else, right? There, isn't there a cop or something, too? Yeah, there's a cop as well, like in the fourth or fifth one. Like, every time they do the whole copycat killer thing, it's going to be to, like, diminishing returns. They're always going to feel lesser than Tobin Bell, like, no matter what. Therefore, making the film feel lesser than in nature. I think the only real worthy successor they ever really had was Amanda, and they totally ruined that. Just start over again, man. <laughs> like, honestly, because I like the concept and I like the traps mm-hmm. and I like the gore, you know, and I like that he has a different motive than like your regular, like average run of the mill psycho killer. I like that he's like this vigilante almost. You can even keep like Tobin Bell casted as Jigsaw and just, you know, tell a different version of the story. And I think everyone would be fine with that. Yeah, I think at this point, it, it deserves a, a full, true reboot. <laughs> That's actually what I wanted with this film, honestly. Yes. Mm. You know, I was kind of thinking, oh, maybe this is like a prequel. And then we saw the trailer. I was like, oh, no, this isn't a fucking prequel. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Rock wanted to make a fucking movie, so they let him. You know, <sighs> I, I mean, I appreciate him being a horror fan. I do. But this movie just didn't work for me. Nothing is topped. Uh the the one where they twist all the limbs i think it's like john's doctor or nurse and his like head gets completely turned uh-huh. all the way around no that's a nice one <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> maybe for horror month we'll have to do like the top 10 like uh jigsaw traps oh hell yeah <laughs> and i guarantee you none of the traps from spiral will make the list <laughs> well all right damon it's time for some bad bats talk this week we're talking episode three replacements warning spoiler alert spoilers for star wars the bad batch ahead you have been warned. You want to know why they put me in charge? It's because I'm willing to do what needs to be done. Good soldiers follow orders. So I really love this episode because you had like this perfect example of how like the Star Wars animated shows really like told the line and balanced tone within its series. Uh, and what was nice about it is they did it within the same episode. So you could really see the contrast. Uh, on one hand, you have this like heartwarming like story of Omega finding a family and earning her place on the team among like the Bad Batch, showing that she's not going to be like many other young characters, you know, throughout genre, not just Star Wars, whose sole purpose is to be a plot device and like constantly needing to be rescued. Instead, hopefully, uh, she's going to stand on her own as a strong individual character that we're going to get to watch evolve and grow throughout the series. Now, on the complete opposite side of the spectrum, (laughs) we have the terrifying story of Crosshair, who's turned into this like cold-blooded monster, murdering unarmed prisoners without blinking an eye and encompassing everything the Empire is all about. Like, I love that the 
shows connecting the dots and we're getting to see what brought about the transition between like, you know, from clone troopers to stormtroopers. Uh, here we see the Empire use for the first time conscripted soldiers in the form of the elite squad. You know, really their first ever stormtroopers uh, with the idea being to like use fighters who are loyal to the Empire because of good old fashioned like propaganda and false promises. Uh, we also got our first real introduction to Admiral Rampart, who's going to be leading the operation uh, to, you know, usher in this transition. But then on the other side of the coin, we find out that Lama Su has other plans. They want to entice the Empire to stick with the clone program by building them even more superior clones, probably like using the Bad Batch as source material, um, which is kind of hinted at at the end of the episode. And to be more exact, it's probably Omega's, you know, DNA that they're looking for, uh, especially since we did find out that the Django Fett, like, you know, source material that they used to base all the clones off of has been deteriorating. And that's something that like was kind of a callback to something that was mentioned in like, I don't know, season three or something of Clone Wars. But I really like nerd out, uh, of course, when they, you know, once again, connect the dots like that. No, absolutely. When they get to show off more of like, you know, all these world building elements and you really get to see, you know, like why they did certain things. That's what I love about these animated series. That's what we get with the Clone Wars, what we got with Rebels. It's all it's it's fun to see this happen. At the same time, though, I'm still like it just feels more evil to use clones. <laughs> like it feels more like what the Empire would do would just make, you know, emotionless clones, something maybe on more along the lines of a crosshair type of character and maybe like even make him the, their new mold if they wanted to do something like that. Yeah, remember, part of the reason why is the cost. Um, I'm sure they want to allocate like those resources towards building a fucking Death Star. And yes. that's like Tarkin's like main like goal and plan. So, you know, if you can get loyal troops from outside sources and not have to spend all this fucking money to, you know, to make them yourselves, um, why not? Also, at the same time, you're building like this fanatical like loyalty amongst like the citizens of mm -hmm. like the Republic. Yeah, I did like that line that they did in this episode where it's just like, you know, loyal citizens are more valuable than these clones. That was exactly. like a good moment there. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, all true. I just kept I keep thinking, you know, like clones are better. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I agree. Um, hmm. And I so like I'm wondering what is going to happen to like this yes. entire army of clones at the end of the day. You know, I still have a funny feeling that like the Bad Batch is going to somehow end up like freeing them from, you know, their chips and they're going to end up fighting back and like sadly get like wiped out at the end. <laughs> but uh, I have this mm. funny feeling that what's going to end up happening is like the Bad Batch is going to somehow like end up like leading a rebellion with the clones. Like they're going to free them from like their chips. And then, you know, the clones are going to like have this like uprise situation against the empire. And then sadly get like, you know, mostly wiped out at the end of the mm -hmm. series. So, but I mean, that might be a little too dark, but I wouldn't, you know, put it past Filoni. <laughs> I mean, another battle like Kamino would be fucking awesome. Uh, like a lot of, a lot of what they did in the first battle of Kamino was pretty cool. So, I mean, to see more of that would be pretty awesome. I, I, I just wonder, cause I'm, I don't remember um, if we've read in the comics or anything, like what happens to Kamino in the future. I don't. And I wonder if like they just it's a, it becomes a weapon test at some point for the Death Star. No, who knows? And I, I wouldn't put it past Tarkin, mm -hmm. right? <laughs>
But yeah, um, I mean, you brought up great points about like the contrast between, you know, um, you know, we get these lighthearted moments with the kid pretty much saving the day and then, you know, crosshairs just murdering a motherfucker left yes. and right. <laughs> <laughs> this nice little arc with the moon dragon and uh, everything. And, you know, she gets her own room on the ship and then fucking crosshair is just like literally cutting people down in cold blood. <laughs> Um, I still have more bones to pick with Kamino at this point. You know, like, why has she never had her own room? You know, why is this? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, right. They're not In really general? good parents. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, someone needs to call DCFS, like on Lama Sue. <laughs> if there is a space version of that. <laughs> I doubt it, especially in the Empire. I yeah. feel like they don't care. Oh, yeah, fuck that. Palpatine They'll doesn't give a shit. <laughs> throw your kids Child's into welfare. A... <laughs> <laughs> He's kidnapping half of them, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> He's slaughtering any of them that seem like remotely Force-sensitive at this point. Yeah. So, <laughs> If not Vader. <laughs> right. Do we think we're going to get some uh, Vader sightings here and there? I still think, like, if they do a whole battle, that's when they'll throw in Vader. So you get that awesome moment of him just slaughtering people. Because that's what people are going to talk about forever. Yes. Is, oh, remember that scene where Vader just fucking wiped out 100,000 clones in one go? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, you're talking about, like, a, like a finale for the series? Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. that would be amazing. So... Um, yeah, but I'm wondering if you get like, you know, a couple like, you know, bad batches versus like, you know, Vader arcs here and there too. be interesting. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we do get like a hologram moment with like Tarkin or something. Um, Tarkin is like leaving the facility at this point. So I wonder if uh, we won't see him for a while. I mean, there is going to be plenty of episodes where he could be gone. So I don't know if we'll just get little bits there. I think uh, Admiral Rampart is going to end up being like the main antagonist for the batch in the series in the long run. True, but... Does he, I mean, does he survive this series in general? Like, do you think, you know, he does all this work? Probably for Tarkin? not. Tarkin yeah. will probably, yeah, he'll kill him. <laughs> he'll fail one too many times, you know? Uh-huh. I thought it was pretty cool, the little, like, you know, Rogue One Easter egg, you know, us discovering what, like, Operation War Mantle really is. It's, you know, the whole Stormtrooper initiative and everything. So that was a nice oh, I- touch. I totally wouldn't have noticed that if it wasn't for the internet. So, <laughs> uh-huh. so at the end of the episode, after the elite guard comes back to you know the bad batches like old bunker and everything, you see Crosshair like walk in, like he looks at like you know the little like you know um, dashes in the wall that uh, Wrecker was like leaving after mm-hmm. every mission, and he kind of like sits down in his bunker, like looks around and then puts his head down. Do you feel like he's feeling like remorse there or do you feel like he's like realizing that he's like training his replacements? Uh, well, I think a little column A, a little column B. I think that because I mean, that goes along with what's going on with the episode. But I do think he feels, you know, like remorse for his friends being gone. You know, and I think that they build that up throughout the entire episode. You know, they're like constantly talking about, you know, uh, Rex immediately says, I miss the guy. You know, they had a very close family bond. So I, you know, I imagine he does feel at least something inside there no matter how much they brainwash him throughout this. And mm. I think that's going to be, you know, like as we said last week, going to be one of the big parts of the show is going to be freeing him from his inhibitor chip. Well, I think another big moment, too, is when Hunter realizes that there's an actual chip that's, mm. you know, causing the clones to follow these orders. Because when Tech, like, mentions it, you know, it definitely, like, catches his attention and he's surprised by it. Mm-hmm. So I have a feeling that's like really like starting the ball rolling and like, you know, Hunter thinking, is there a way to like actually reprogram this chip? 
Um, he really needs to just sit like tech down and pick his fucking brain yeah. like, at this point because <laughs> it feels like tech's definitely holding things back, not on purpose, just because, you know, he's clueless to like how important the information might actually be. <laughs> like the stuff about the ship not being fully like, you know, ready for space travel. He's like, well, all the life support systems are fine, so we're good. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because it seems like just tech like deals with problems as it comes along. Mm-hmm. So and he just assumes everyone's on the same page as him so he's like oblivious even though he's like the most intelligent like you know batch character he's oblivious to like everyone not having all the same information that he does exactly uh do you think that they were putting in another red herring for her to, uh, for omega to be force sensitive when they had her you know handle the animal very well i think so Hmm. I think so. I'm still hoping so. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, maybe there's some like Jedi, you know, DNA thrown in there. Um, I really (laughs) I don't want to get back on this subject um, since we talked about it for so long last week. But I really hope it's not fucking, you know, a Palpatine clone, because like I said, (laughs) I'm just not going to be able to stomach that. But that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave it at that. Um, Maybe they did something with like midichlorians or something. You know, that's my hope, at least, if she ends up being Force-sensitive. But I guess only time will tell. Only time will tell. Uh, do you think there's anything to Wrecker's headaches? Did he just bump his head? Or is he having hmm. some kind of, like, residual effects from, like, his chip or something? Uh, I am not sure. I didn't really put too much thought to that while, during the episode. But that very much could be, like, maybe the chip is still trying to activate something in him. Um, and he's not fighting it enough. That could be scary. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want that dude turning on you. Uh, All right. So that's going to do it for episode three. Uh, we'll be back next week with some more Bad Batch talk. Today's podcast is presented by Pago. Hey, if you're a fellow podcaster, let me tell you about Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. That's right. They're providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space, so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today and become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And let them know the nerds sent you by adding our podcast, The Amazing Nerd Show, in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Once again, that's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. All right, Christian, so this past week you watched the second season of one of your favorite Netflix series over the past couple of years. Yeah, that's right. I watched the anthology series Love, Death, and Robots. You feel something, don't you? Wow. It's like a kind of door opens up out there. I figure it leads to some other world trapped inside our own. Why give all this up? Why? I've been alive 218 years. I've seen too much. A collection of animated short stories that span various genres, including science fiction, fantasy, horror, and comedy. Created by Tim Miller. 
The first season of Love, Death, and Robots really caught my attention with just how kind of like flashy and kind of intense it was. And as I went through, you know, each short, I was often wanting to see more of like every single story. That's really what hooked me into this series and the fact that it kind of felt like a, you know, animated version of Black Mirror. But Unfortunately, this second season didn't spark my interest nearly as much as that first season. While each short was again incredibly well animated, their stories all lacked a bit of, you know, that kind of edge that the first season had. Each lacked in their own way and often the story kind of left me bored while watching them. None of them had that, you know, that, that moment that would make me want to see more out of it or really, you know, immerse me into their world. Whereas the first season, you know, like almost every single episode really made me want to watch like a whole show based off of them. And I mean, this isn't at fault of the animators at all. It's whoever wrote the stories because I mean, visually, I mean, you could see the love put into every single frame of every episode of this season. Um, you could really tell that these artists were putting out their best work because I mean, after all, I imagine they use a series like this as like self-promotion for future work. And if I look at it more like a highlight reel for animation, then yeah, sure. I'm kind of impressed by what they were able to do with CGI and everything um, going forward. I mean, it really looks like we're entering the future of animation when you get to do these tiny little shorts. But as a collection of short stories, None of these, you know, kind of left that lasting impression that made me excited for this kind of show to begin with. All right, Christian, what grade would you give this? So for my grade, I'm going to be giving this a C plus, and I feel like I'm grading it a little bit on a curve because I'm trying to think of this about how it really is as this anthology series of different stories. When it comes to, you know, like the story element, it was super lacking, but those visuals and what they're able to achieve with animation, I mean, stunning, absolutely beautiful. I mean, the work is really put into that element, but they have to, you know, keep me interested if they want this to be a continuing series going forward with stories that I care about that will leave a lasting impression. I mean, you know, it, it's kind of like that kind of work you see right before a Pixar film where they put out like a short little thing, um, you know, focusing on a family or something. And, and you often remember those types of stuff going forward. A short can be super powerful and super memorable. You know, I've seen like the simplest of stories really, you know, bring people to tears. So, I mean, you you can do a lot in a short, an animated short. So I just want to I want to see more out of the series. I don't want it to end here, but they have to, you know, either they pick better stories or, you know, uh, rethink what kind of collection they make going forward. Because, I mean, th they still have that kind of Black Mirror style because they did pick a lot of like, you know, not so distant future type stuff and sci fi, you know, sci fi kind of rang through most of these this season um and i think there's still a ton of potential for a series like this on netflix it's just this season alone really just didn't do what that first season did for me which you know made me excited for anything animated at that time i really left that first season you know just wanting to see more and more shorts going after that this i was just like it was okay you know i got through it in a day and i probably won't remember most of these stories by next week well, now it's time for Christian's Corner. So this last week in gaming, I got my hands on Mass Effect Legendary Edition and have been streaming it over on our Twitch channel. But before I get into my impressions, let's talk a little gaming news and rumors. 
It's been rumored that streaming giant Netflix may be bringing gaming to the platform. Tech site TheInformation.com recently reported that it had been revealed to them that Netflix is approaching key figures and industry veterans in the gaming industry in order to kind of make an expansion of Netflix into the gaming, you know, stream service. They went on to talk about Netflix wanting to take a kind of like Apple arcade model, allowing customers to pay for access to stream games over the service. However, it seems like they don't want to, you know, include ads in the games when they stream and you know no first party titles are currently in the works for their kind of streaming service as they literally are probably just in talks with people netflix didn't deny any of this either as they came out later talking about how they are excited to do more in the interactive entertainment world so this seems like a real possibility in the next few years for netflix to really you know take a stab at being a gaming company as well and enter that kind of games as a service world. Though it has to be stated that streaming video game services have been kind of in an uphill battle for a while with none of them really you know, getting far off the ground in my opinion. When I see a streaming giant like Netflix get interested in providing the service, I imagine they may have a shot. But as we have seen with tech companies like Google and their failing services like Stata, even if they argue otherwise, game streaming is just not where it should be. And I also can't imagine people clamoring for another mobile game-like service like Apple Arcade. But honestly, if Netflix were to take on the challenge of streaming AAA titles and even work toward big exclusives, this could be a real big game changer in the future of games as a service. But I made these exact same statements when I talked about Google Stadia when it was like way back in development, and we've seen how lacking Google Stadia has been since launch. Currently, it would seem that Xbox's Game Pass is the closest to really tapping into game streaming successfully, but that's because they offer so much more with their service. Games as a service in general just kind of makes sense. While we may all want to feel like we own our games, we really only have licenses to play them, and games as a service just seems like the next logical step in gaming. We're also already seeing kind of what I expect is a big turn in a lot of those major studios like Ubisoft and EA, you know, going towards a free to play model as microtransactions have been proven to be incredible ways for companies to make money over the traditional $60 game release. Online experiences with consistent microtransactions brings endless flows of cash. I mean, just look at how much games like GTA 5 Online and FIFA bring in because of gamers willingness to you know, keep paying for in-game items and rewards. Sadly, even companies that have had big stands like, you know, Bethesda that make regular promises for microtransaction list games or even light microtransactions in their games seem to be going back on what they have said. And, you know, I'm kind of just referring to the recent skins made available for purchase in Doom Eternal. While the avid gamer may rage against microtransactions, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. And with studios considering going free to play, I could really see games as a service like Game Pass really taking off to new heights. I am a supporter of Game Pass though, I believe it's a well-valued service that brings accessibility like never before to all players, but we will see what companies like Netflix bring to the table as you know time goes on. But with that out of the way, now that I'm you know done ranting about the state of the, you know, the games industry per usual, I have been playing Mass Effect Legendary Edition. 
packed with the entire trilogy in one, the Legendary Edition graphically upgrades the beloved franchise and makes it available for players like me who did not have a chance to really play it when it came out. When I was younger, I watched others play it, uh, but never got around to doing it myself. Um, it also looked a little bit more than I could handle back then. You know, I don't even think I got into Skyrim until um, a couple years after it came out. But you know, now that I've you know matured as a gamer, <laughs> I think it's come out at just the right time. I feel like I've barely even scratched the surface of the first game in the trilogy, but I am having a lot of fun with the story. Seeing comparison videos, you know, to how it used to look versus now, is quite impressive. Um, there. There are still moments where I feel like the character is a bit stiff in gameplay and you know John Shepard definitely suffers from you know, some wooden line deliveries here and there, but I still find myself getting immersed in the story every time I play. The first game's world exploration seems a little lacking too though, but I'm hoping that's just you know the limitations of its first game. I'm hoping that in its sequels it will become a little bit more expansive, but uh, I'll let you know once I get there. All in all, for a $60 experience, I'd say it's a decent purchase if you have the cash but not something that i would say you need to buy immediately don't don't just go saving up your money just to buy this you know if if you want to wait for it to go on sale do so but i mean if you got sixty dollars you want to have a good time i i do think it is worth the sixty dollars in general but it's not something that i'm saying you're probably going to be clamoring for right away but also if you'd like a little preview of the game you can catch me playing it over on twitch um thursday through sunday at 12 noon we go live this weekend i played saw the video game along with Mass Effect and we continued the Witcher 3 expansions on Sunday. If you missed them, of course you can catch the replays right now on the channel. And make sure to follow while you're there because you'll get notifications for when I'm live. And also, if you enjoy what you're seeing, if you enjoy the content I put out, make sure to subscribe and you can subscribe for free using your Amazon Prime account. You know, every sub, you know, directly helps support growing the Twitch channel. So I do appreciate anyone who is able to do so. As for those of you who have already subscribed, I do thank you. All right. Let's move on to wrestling. Houston, what's a high five? When you survive a zombie apocalypse together, generally it's a bonding experience. And Damian Priest has other plans. Broken arrow. The cover here on Miz from Priest. All right, Christian, this past weekend was WrestleMania Backlash. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. Neither of us watched the pre-show, but apparently Sheamus beat the shit out of Ricochet for seven minutes. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing this weird fucking hook in the mouth thing mm -hmm. um, that's just embarrassing the baby faces. I don't know why they're allowing him to do it. I'm kind of enjoying it secretly, though, so. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a little humiliating. But anyway. Um, but okay, so let's move on to the opening of the card. All right, first up, we have Rhea Ripley holding on to her title for a little bit longer after defeating Asuka and Charlotte in a triple threat match. Yes, um, I actually really enjoyed this match, and I was hesitant about it uh, from the get-go, just because these three just have not had the best matches against each other lately. Um, there's just a real weird lack of chemistry going on, and, and that's seen a lot because Asuka and Charlotte usually work pretty well together, but for exactly. some reason their <laughs> matches have been really fucking sloppy, and shit's just not been clicking. Also, like, Rhea... She seemed to find herself again in this match um, for the last like couple weeks. It's really felt like she's been lost 
just like not just in the ring, but also as a character. So I'm hoping that this is going to get her back on track. Well, I mean, with that said, it just makes me wonder, like, you know, if they're giving her a ton of directions in the back that just maybe it's so much different from, you know, her vibe on NXT. You know, what was it like, you know, switching over? I have no idea at the moment, but um, it's, you know, it sucks to hear that. You know, and, and again, Oscar and Charlotte having, you know, bad matches doesn't make any sense. You know, it just it, on paper, they should be, you know, killing it every single week. Um, the storyline hasn't done too much for me from what I've seen. And, you know, even the video package for this didn't sell it too much for me with Charlotte, you know, beating up the ref and then, you know, getting fined oh. and then coming back. And the storyline's been awful. <laughs> I mean, and that's part of the problem is we don't know if Rhea is supposed to be the heel or the baby uh-huh. face. I don't know why Asuka's still involved in this. <laughs> like, <laughs> it feels like it really should just be like Charlotte versus, you know, Ripley right now. Uh, but like Asuka's in there, just, I don't know, just as a buffer for some reason, probably to take the pin here. Um, mm. But, you know, but then the next night we had Asuka beating Charlotte. So due to like, you know, Rhea's interference kind of like her distraction, I guess. So I don't know what we're headed towards. Like, it looks like another triple threat match, which (laughs) I really don't want, even though this was a good match. Uh It just feels like let's move on to like the next chapter, which is probably Charlotte versus, you know, Rhea, which I'm terrified of because I feel like Charlotte's going to end up like eating her lunch and just, you know, walking over her. Um, and not her personally, but like booking wise, that's what yeah. they're going to end up having her do. Um, so, but like Charlotte feels like the main focus of this like whole program. So I just hope they really like give, you know, Rhea a chance to shine here. And this felt like a step in the right direction, but we'll see. All right. Well, up next, we had Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio becoming the first father son WWE SmackDown Tag Team Champions after taking the titles off Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. So I'm usually a sucker for like cheesy bullshit like this, Uh but there's been no real buildup for this. It'd be one thing if like Ray and Dominic have been like a tag team for months and they've been really like fighting towards like number one contendership and everything. And then they win the titles, but this just kind of felt like, oh, we put them back together again, and now they're going after the titles. And it's just been like kind of like a month or so build. Mm. So once again, the program hasn't been that great. Um, The match itself wasn't that great. They try to like manufacture this like, you know, big moment for Dominic, like returning to the ring and everything. But at the same time, it just felt super like predictable. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, like he didn't have this big, like, you know, hot tag moment where he like took control of the match because it felt like it was more of the same. Like it felt like the Dirty Dogs, which is what they're going by, by the way, um, dominated most of this match until they kind of like just squeaked out a win at the end. Um, it is what it is. Uh, at the end of the day, it was a cool moment, but I felt like the match was about like five minutes too long. Yeah, it was pretty long. I mean, the setup for it in general, having Dominic, you know, immediately get attacked in the back and then doing a very terrible job of selling that injury during the doctor's office moment. Uh, Uh, You know, Ray's always going to be great in the ring. He handled both guys, you know, super well. uh, But it just, you know, 
I'm not invested in this at all. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I actually was surprised that uh, Vince McMahon and Shane were never tag team champions together. I immediately looked that up afterwards. I was like, oh, <laughs> is this really like the first time? <laughs> that does seem like something he would have done uh-huh. back in the day just to get fucking cheap heat. But yeah, no. exactly. No, that didn't happen. But yeah. No, it just sounds like typical tag team, you know, booking for WWE where they just kind of threw something together. I, it just um, it feels like they overthought it. Like, yeah. if it would have just been a straight-up match and everything, and then Dominic got a big moment in the middle of the match to shine, save his dad, and, you know, get the win, that would have been huge for Dominic, and that would have been, like, that would have gone a long way to build his character, you know, and built him up, uh, mm-hmm. where he saved his dad. So, I don't know. But just doing all this other fucking Gaga, just for the sake of Gaga, that everyone could see through it, like, it's totally transparent. You knew he was coming back in the match. Just felt like a waste. Well... Up next, we had a lumberjack match between Damian Priest and The Miz. Speaking of a waste. <laughs> the the biggest movie commercial for a match I think I've seen in a while. Uh, like, uh. insane. And, I, like, right before this match, uh, they showed off a trailer for the movie. The trailer we've seen and you know, talked about on the actual show. But for some reason, they just, you know, like, every, like, two minutes or so in the trailer, they just threw in, like, one moment of wrestling. And it made absolutely no sense. Huh. Um, I must have been getting, like, an ice-cold can of liquid death at that point. Most likely, you know. <laughs> um, you know, throughout the um, show before this match as well, they had, like, every once in a while, you would see a zombie on one of the screens in the, in the Thunderdome. I don't know if you noticed that. Oh, God. It's just... <laughs> they went all out for um, fucking Army of the Dead. The fact that, like, this is the company that had executives after Blood and Guts, you know, aired on AEW, saying that that match put the industry back 30 years, and then they fucking aired this bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the fact, too... That, like, there's some WWE, like, loyal list. And, and trust me, I'm a lifelong WWE fan, right? But it doesn't mean you have to take all their bullshit. Like, yes. But, like, some <laughs> of the loyalists, like, hardcore, insane Kool-Aid drinking loyalists, bitched about the fucking bump that Jericho took. But at the same time, in the same breath, are defending this match. Just makes me fucking sick. Oh, there are people defending oh, yes, this match? yes. Wow. Like, oh, it's just marketing. <laughs> oh, it's just... I mean, they had the announcers fucking selling the threat mm-hmm. of these goddamn fake zombies. And the fact that they even put, like, a, a match together where, like, these two competitors, especially Damian Priest, who's trying to get over right now, have to sell for fucking people in zombie makeup. <laughs> It's just absurd. I was having flashbacks of, like, the WCW fucking uh, RoboCop fiasco from, like, decades ago, where he, like, made us the save for Sting. Like, that actually happened, Christian. (laughs) Yes, look it up. (laughs) RoboCop came out and saved Sting. Yes, yes. I love RoboCop. (laughs) (laughs) That was the thing. Also, uh, there was a great promo between Rick Steiner and Chucky. Okay. Yes, where Rick Steiner's screaming at Chucky. (laughs) (laughs) But at least those two moments weren't, like, full seven-minute matches of zombies attacking them. Also, a match, mind you, where Miz, who never gets injured, gets seriously (laughs) hurt and might be out now for, like, up to nine months. That's insane. Like, the biggest gimmick match ever, too. Yes. Yes. What a fucking waste. (laughs) 
did they did they say anything on Raw or anything? Do you know? Uh, um, John Morrison did reference Miz getting eaten by zombies. Okay, so. <laughs> But Morrison also got attacked. He was just like, oh, I got vaccinated. I'm fine. Parkour bullshit. It got out. I don't know. Sure. (laughs) I don't know. I did. I did like the scene, though. The scene, right? I'm talking about a match. I did like the moment where Morrison was doing his parkour shit and like jumping through the zombies and everything. I did kind of Uh pop for that. I won't lie. But the fact, too, like these zombies are apparently trained not to get into the ring. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What? I don't know, man. They're best friends with fucking Batista. They learned a thing or two. Um, I mean, the thing I feel bad about with this match, again, the most, is fucking Damian Priest doesn't really get to shine. No. You know, he did win the match, but it... I mean, he doesn't get to show off who he is in the WWE's main roster side. This is another, like, potentially, like, big, like, pay-per-view match for Damian Priest, mm-hmm. where the spotlight's totally, like, stolen by something pretty ridiculous. And I know everyone loved Bad Bunny's performance at WrestleMania, but the fact that, like, Miz and Morrison were selling for him is pretty ridiculous <laughs> at the same time. It's like he's never getting his, like, true spotlight moment. It's like one step forward, two steps back for him. You know, he's playing second fiddle to fucking zombies mm-hmm. in this match. And this could have been, like, a big one-on-one win for him. But instead, the match was all about the fact that Miz got eaten by zombies. <laughs> Now, if I knew I was going to be doing like a big promotion for like Army of Dark or Army of the Dead, um, and I have this huge character that already deals with all the supernatural shit in WWE, I think I would probably have booked him in it, the Fiend. Mm. Like I would have, you know, I don't know, tied, you know, his supernatural elements into this somehow. Rather than it being Damian Priest versus the Miz in a lumberjack match. But I don't know, that's just me. No, no, you're right. You're right. Or Alexa Bliss, at least. Yeah. Right. I mean, currently they're keeping the Fiend off, you know, screen just because I guess he's still selling the loss to Randy Orton for WrestleMania for some reason. Yeah, he's he's heartbroken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. He got dumped by Alexa Bliss. So, uh, but yeah, no, I, I just I don't get it, man. Like bring back fucking Papa Shango or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this should have been just a bit in the back. Well, I mean, getting back to some actual competition, we had Bianca Belair um, holding on to her title against Bailey. I thought this was a good match. Um, it's unfortunate the end was kind of botched. Um, mm-hmm. You could tell that Bianca was supposed to use her braid, you know, to help her with the pin. I'm guessing maybe they'll be like moving to like a hair versus hair match at some point. Um uh, Bailey's hair has been getting crazier and crazier on the show. I don't know if she was trying to grow it out, but like I, I did notice that like over the last couple of weeks, and then like this finish happened. I was like, oh, I wonder if they're gonna do like a hair versus hair match, you know, somewhere down the line. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll see. I did think it was a good like first defense for uh, Bel Air. Uh, for me, I felt like it went maybe a little bit too long. But at the same time, I really enjoyed both of them in the ring. I, I'm a huge Bailey fan at this point. I'm really digging uh, Belair's run. Um, I'm hoping that you know she has more competitors down the road. You know, I, I wonder if how much longer they're going to do Bailey versus Bianca. Do you think it's going to be three pay per views or the the standard or? Um, who knows, man? They don't uh-huh. even know at this point. <laughs> they're literally fucking throwing out scripts like hours before you know SmackDown airs. So. I wouldn't be surprised either way, honestly. We haven't seen Sasha Banks back, um, you mm-hmm. know, since her loss. So, I mean, maybe that's in the cards. 
but I would love to see Sasha and Bailey team up again uh, because I think that's where the money is and all the entertainment value is because um, I just love them together. So, But uh, I do feel like there's probably another match here uh, in the works, yeah. at least, like I said. And this was actually one of the matches on the card where I felt like the buildup was decent to the match. You know, like worthy of the match because a lot of these like you know matches here on Backlash, the build felt very you know weak. I mean, it at least felt better um, than what they were doing before Mania when it was the two of them going at it. Uh, I don't know if you remember like they're like basketball like <laughs> outside the ring <laughs> yes. and shit like that. Yes. All right. Well, up next we had Bobby Lashley defending against Braun Strowman and Drew McIntyre in a triple threat match for the WWE Championship. I thought this match was cool just because it was big dudes beating the shit out of each other. Uh-huh. And I'm always down <laughs> for that. Um, that whole spectacle. Um, Braun almost killed himself at one point and Drew fucking saved him. Uh you know, I could have done without the fucking uh, the whole uh, screen bit they did with Lashley because they've done it before. I feel like a couple mm-hmm. of times where Lashley looks like he's getting electrocuted. Um, but otherwise, I thought the match was fine. Um, I, you know, like I said, these guys could all work. Drew's on the top of his game right now, honestly. Um, he's really fucking like carrying the load over on Raw because he's the one guy who's having consistently like good matches. I'm hoping we can get Braun out of the title picture and we can just focus on Drew versus Lashley because I think that's where the money's at. True. I, and I don't even know who else Lashley would fight if it wasn't McIntyre at this point. You want to know why? Raw. Because they haven't like spent any time like like building up any other wrestlers uh-huh. on Raw. So I wouldn't know either, Christian. <laughs> and I don't think they do either. So uh, whatever. <laughs> they need to have a draft soon. They mm. really do. So I'm sure that's coming up. Yeah, otherwise this is just going to be Lashley McIntyre through, I mean, maybe SummerSlam. SummerSlam right? Uh-huh. I guess like maybe Randy Orton, uh, but he's currently, you know, in a tag with Matt Riddle for some reason. RK. RK bro. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> See, Wild Things is not a bad name. Uh-huh. When you start comparing it to this Dirty Dogs and bullshit like that, come on. <laughs> I like the Dirty Dogs. Leave them alone. <laughs> no, fuck that. They have matching leather jackets. <laughs> Um, I think overall for the match, um, I was a little bit more lukewarm on it. I'm I'm a little over a lot of the spots that Braun Strowman does, especially the fucking run around the ring train bullshit that he keeps doing. <laughs> I am hoping that he is going to be taken out of this um, feud uh, soon. But, you know, hopefully not in another match with like Shane McMahon or proving that he's not dumb. Oh, uh, I guess this was a, a step in the right direction for Braun. That might have been one of the worst angles of the year. <laughs> it was just so fucking lazy. I'm not going to uh-huh. harp on that again, but my God, the whole angle was based off fucking Shane just calling him dumb for no reason whatsoever. For no reason. It's just a bully. We got a WrestleMania <laughs> fucking match out of that bullshit. And then he turns around and goes heel for this. I don't even know if he's heel. I guess. There's no I, real baby me, faces but... in like heels on Raw, it feels mm-hmm. like half the time. Like McIntyre is the only, at least face wise, McIntyre feels like he's the only like solidified baby face on that program, honestly. And that's a big problem with the show. Like Braun, really, it's a fucking flip of the coin whether or not he's heel or face. Because mm-hmm. if you remember up to like Shane calling Braun dumb, Braun was a heel. <laughs> Yeah, that's what turned him face was getting called dumb. <laughs> I don't I don't get it. 
I don't know, man. He did it for all of us. Uh-huh. All of us that have been called dumb. Sure. Uh, <laughs> he is my hero. I'm all right. sure he uh, is. <laughs> <laughs> well, talking about a bona fide heel, we saw Roman Reigns hold on to his title against Cesaro, uh, winning by technical submission. Barely any like actual interference in this match. I, I don't even think there was any. Yes. This was clean as fuck. <laughs> this was clean. Uh, close to 30 minutes long. I really dug the psychology of this match. Mm-hmm. I love the back and forth. I wish they built up Cesaro more, though, to make him seem like a legitimate threat. They never gave that dude, like, a solid win over the past, like, month, even against, like, you know, the Usos. So that's unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, they did a better job before WrestleMania, like, building him up than they did, Mm -hmm. like, after WrestleMania for some reason to this match. So, um, and it was, like, literally, like, right after the match ended, it was, like, straight to the fucking mid-card with you, Cesaro. <laughs> like, he ends up getting his ass kicked by Jimmy, and then fucking uh, Seth comes out and, like, starts beating his ass. And it's like, okay, so I guess this whole, like, Roman Reigns-Cesaro thing is over. Um, whatever. It was a pretty, like, definitive loss, but I still feel like there was, like, meat on the bone here. So, mm-hmm. but I don't know, man. It is what it is, right? I mean, I was hoping for more in the future. Uh, yeah. Because, I mean, I, I thought the match was great. I thought I loved everything we got. Out of, this was my match of the night. I enjoyed um, Cesaro and all the offense he got in with Roman. I really thought there was points where they made him look really good in this match. But, you know, immediately getting attacked afterwards kind of erases a lot of that. It erases a lot of what people will probably think of him. So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I thought, I don't know, like, I I do think there's a way to get over in losing, but I don't think that necessarily happened here. I think he did get over with, like, hardcore fans, but, like, he didn't really need to get over with hardcore fans with how well he worked the match. But I think casual mm. fans aren't going to necessarily see that. They're just going to see him kind of get, like, dominated by fucking Reigns here. I mean, it was a good back and forth, and he fought hard, but in the, the like long run, I think Reigns took like 70% of the offense at least in yeah. this match. I mean, Cesaro, did Cesaro even attempt the swing? No, he doesn't attempt the swing. Um, he Every time he went for the legs, he would go for the sharpshooter. I mean, even like commentary thought he was going for a swing at one point, and he was like, no, no, no oh, sh- sharpshooter, I guess. <laughs> Do you think that's because Cesaro was like selling his arm? Per- perhaps. I mean, but he did that with Seth, right? He had his arm attack the entire match with Seth, yeah. and um, he still did the swing, but I guess that was a big part of their story. I mean, he line, legitimately had a giant bruise on his fucking mm-hmm. arm. Did you oh, see he was, that? He was bleeding. There was yeah. blood coming so, out. I mean, yeah. I, I was like, is this a serious injury? Like, and they just turned it into <laughs> like the storyline for the match because that was well done if mm-hmm. that's the case um but yeah no i i dug this match i just i just wish they would have worked harder to get cesaro over and like i said like in the lead up like really just like built him as a legitimate contender and i don't think they did a good enough job with that because at least after this then i mean you have someone that they can go back to at a certain mm-hmm. point they're they're they just want everyone in the mid card except for the like two guys that they want to be That's over it makes the no sense of wwe's existence right now is the fact that they don't know how to book baby faces anymore mm-hmm. you know the only person i can argue that they've done a good job with is really drew and maybe kevin owens because when kevin owens lost it was always because of like outside interference or you know some bullshit. So you still believed him, like believed in him, in, like to a certain mm-hmm. point, and you felt like he could win at any moment. 
Because besides that, I don't feel like Roman's had like significant threats to his belt. And that includes Daniel Bryan and Edge. I just don't want to listen to Michael Cole all year tell me, like, what's it going to take to take down the big dog? You know, fucking at the end of every pay-per-view. <laughs> but, you know. That's happening. I know. It's it's going to happen until we get The Rock or something. I don't mind if he hold. I don't mind him holding the title the entire year as long mm-hmm. as he's, like, involved in good feuds, you yeah. know, and good programs. Like, I'm fine with him holding the title for the entire year. I don't mind that. Um, but, like, at least give him believable, like, you know contenders to that belt we're not we're not going to see the usos versus him in uh the hell in a cell again right i fucking hope not because it's like the same storyline right exactly (laughs) i think they'll tease this and tease this and then eventually uh jimmy it's jimmy right yeah jimmy just came came back here sorry usos um i feel like jimmy will eventually join the squad i don't want to see like twin versus twin I definitely don't want to no. see that. <laughs> they had to like have Jimmy change his hair after the second uh-huh. week so people could like tell the difference between the two. You know, they both have different shirts on. He actually looked taller at the pay-per-view for some he reason. I was like, what's different going on? Or something, man. I guess. <laughs> and then they, my one complaint about this whole fucking like pay-per-view is, you know, the matches were all pretty solid. But, like, they didn't really progress any of the storylines. Like, none of the storylines, like, there was no, Mm. like, big next chapter that happened here. Like, a lot of, like, you know, like, I feel like we saw more, like, storyline progression on, like, SmackDown or Raw. I mean, besides, like, you know, Ray and Dominic winning the belts, I felt like we were kind of left, like, where we were before the pay-per-view. Like, in the same place. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I think the whole point of Backlash in the first place was to be that kind of pay-per-view that just ties up any loose ends from WrestleMania. So now we're supposed to start something new, and we're not doing anything like no. that. We're going to keep those storylines going. Right, because I'm year. sure, like, Damian Priest was supposed to have another match or two against Miz or against Morrison mm-hmm. next. Um, I'm sure we're going to get, you know, the Mysterios first, you know, the Dirty Dogs again. Um uh, you know, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get Roman versus Cesaro, but I could see them throwing that on SmackDown, you know, this week, uh, you know, yeah. and then like, like I was saying before, I, Drew and Lashley is probably happening. And the same with uh, Bianca and uh, Bailey. <laughs> so I feel like next pay-per-view is going to look exactly this, like identical to this like show. Well, we'll see if Sheamus and Ricochet can make the actual card this time or not. Oh, Lord. Well, Sheamus, or, I'm sorry. Ricochet did steal Sheamus's hat and coat this week. So, oh. uh, yeah. But then got his ass kicked for it. So, <laughs> poor Ricochet, man. I had such high hopes for him. Well, all right, Damon. If you had to give Backlash or WrestleMania Backlash a rating, a star rating, uh, I'm going to give it three stars. I thought the matches were all solid, but unfortunately, like the build and, I don't know, the conclusions to some of these matches, storyline-wise, like I said, there was lack of progression, um, just were very lackluster. So three stars for me. I think I'm going to punish them a little bit, give them a two and a half. Uh, you know, just, just bring it bring it down a little bit lower, just because, you know, they should have just evacuated the building after they saw zombies <laughs> running around. Uh, I don't know why they stuck around, why other hosts would even sit in those chairs when there's probably dead bodies right uh-huh. next to them. So, I mean, uh, it's just those little continuity things. Yeah, where did the zombies go at the end? We don't know. The cups to black and, and we move on. <laughs> do you think like Vince like pulled out a like a rifle and like, do you think they had like a zombie handler? 
Um, maybe. Like who, like, you know, <laughs> wrangled them all? <laughs> Is that a thing? I, I don't know. I'm sure they were terrified of Vince McMahon like the rest of us, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> what the fuck are we watching? I don't know, man. <laughs> Solid matches. Uh, terrible story. I, I'm over it. <laughs> uh. Is there anything else going on in the world of wrestling, Damon? Well, it's funny that you asked, Christian, because AEW had a huge announcement today, and we're recording this on Wednesday, so uh, this will be old news by the time you hear it. But <laughs> uh, AEW announced that uh, starting January 2022, Dynamite will now air on TBS. Also, uh, TBS won't only be home to AEW's Dynamite, but it'll also be home to AEW's Rampage, which is the new one-hour show that they've been talking about for the past like couple years. And that'll be airing on Friday nights at 9. Okay, well, it's finally cool to hear what the actual new name will be. I don't know if I'm sold on it just yet, but, you know. And they're saying that it's not supposed to be a second tier show. That they're they're gonna it's gonna be a main event level show, okay. um, just an hour long though. In conjunction to that, they also announced that they're gonna have four big specials over on TNT every year. Um, you know, shows probably like they're like uh, Beach Bash yeah. and you know Blood and Guts. Those kind of shows will be on TNT. Um, they didn't say like a date or time for any of those though. So um, it's supposed to be more money for them and also more viewers since TBS gets like, a, like I guess, another like extra million eyes on their channel every year. Not only does the deal mean more money for, you know, AEW, but it also means more eyes on the product since, I guess, TBS reaches like a million more homes than TNT does. I'm interested to see how many viewers after SmackDown will move over to Rampage, you know, every Friday. I think it'll be interesting to see what kind of numbers they're able to do, especially since it's it's just an hour long. You know, that's not a huge commitment. You're not, you know, asking people to sit for three fucking hours with a show. Mm -hmm. And, you know, after some of those SmackDowns, they might want to, like, wash the bad taste out of their mouth. (laughs) (laughs) You know, SmackDown's actually been a good show, so I I shouldn't be talking Mm -hmm. shit. Uh, Did they get any word of, like, who's going to be announcing? No, they did not. They did not. Uh, also, the Rampage show is actually starting this year, though. Oh, okay. So Rampage will start on TNT starting, I believe, in August. Oh, okay. So um, August 13th, I believe. So Friday the 13th, look at that. Um, so that we'll, we'll see Rampage sooner than you know we originally thought. So do you think they changed the name of the TNT title? Oh, I get – hmm. I mean, TBS and TNT are still owned by the same people, at least. I don't know. And they could say that they're going for, like, a whole, like, dynamite thing, uh, you know? So, like, TNT, Dynamite Ray. Yeah, I feel like works. TBS title doesn't work. You know, it doesn't come off no, the tongue as well. No, it doesn't. It doesn't, <laughs> right? They could make a TBS title, though, for Rampage they if just they want. fucking call it. They could call it the dynamite uh, title, honestly. Or they could just call it the TV title, because that's really what yeah. it is, right? <laughs> <laughs> It's hell of a belt, though. They've done a great mm. job with it. All right, that I I need to go to bed. Okay, three o'clock morning. So let's uh, let's let's close out the show. Well, that does it for this week. That's right. And as a friendly reminder, if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, remember to subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Exactly. It sure does help an independent podcast like ours continue to grow. And while you're at it, make sure to tell a friend. Plus, if you like any of the stories we talked about on this week's episode, make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to catch the full articles, trailers, memes, and more. 
That's right, you can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show on all social media platforms. And hey, if you're looking for extra content, make sure to catch our streams every weekend on Twitch, plus YouTube videos Monday through Friday. Want to support the show further? You can head over to tpublic.com and get yourself some Amazing Nerd Show merch. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd swag if you live in the United States. Well, all right, Damon, what are we talking about next week? Well, even though it caused one of the more like embarrassing moments of my wrestling fandom, and that's saying a lot, Christian, um, we're going to be reviewing Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, and hopefully no zombies show up. Hopefully no zombies. No, oh, I'm, I'm vaccinated. Are you vaccinated? Two doses, man. Yeah. All right, we're good then. <laughs> I don't think that's how it works. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I always knew Florida would be the epicenter. All right. <laughs> my name's Christian. And my name's Dan. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show. For a guy who never shuts up, you sure don't have much to say, mean Gene. Well, uh, just, just a second here. Uh, uh, Chucky, Shut the hell up. <laughs>